Welcome everyone to the Hotel Nerd Network brought to you by Anchor. What's Anchor you say? It is an easy way to make a podcast like this one for free. That's right, I said it, for free. But not only that, you can record from the comfort of your home, on the PC, or on the go with your phone. They have everything you need to make a podcast in one place. The best feature is that they even distribute the podcast for you on multiple platforms, so you don't have to stress on getting your content out there for the world to hear. If you're looking for a free and easy way to make a podcast, download the Anchor app on your mobile device or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now please sit back and enjoy the show. So hopefully the audio came through good on that intro because I because I really really like that song. <laughs> so what I'm uh, Hotel Nerd and I'm John from Movie Loves Unite and we're going old school today. We have nobody lined up to do interview with so we're just going to talk about news and there's a lot of it if you looked at my twitter account earlier today uh the official twitter account for hotel nerd uh there's a huge rundown so uh we're just going to jump right into it and uh we're going to talk about some uh housekeeping things that need to be tended to real quick. And that's next week. We will not be doing a live show. We will be doing a pre-recorded event uh, due to the fact of my work schedule because uh, my work schedule is just in chaos right now, as is John's. So it's just easier to do pre-record. 
So and that will be actually it'll be interview set up. It'll be me interviewing John. So uh, we look forward to that one. Uh, John, you have anything in housekeeping to do? No, not too much. You just mentioned everything that uh, you were going to do and everything. I'm just excited that you want to do the one on one and get people to, you know, get to know me a little bit better as a co-host and also as for someone that does Movie Loves Unite on my podcast. So I do appreciate you doing that. Yeah, not a problem. You act, you're the reason why I got into this realm, honestly. You're the one that introduced me to Collider years ago, and uh, for some reason I got the podcast bug, and here we are. So <laughs> try, try, trying to make it in a big ocean. Oh, there is one little minor thing. Like next month will be a year that I'll be doing my podcast. So, oh, congrats! Mika will actually be interviewing me on my podcast. <laughs> Very nice. So, you know, we both we'll have, have a little bit. Of that. Huh? We both have anniversaries next month. Mine's one year for working at the hotel, and yours is one year for doing podcasts. Awesome. Congratulations on your one year. <laughs> yeah, actually have vacation time for once. But uh, another thing, too, is I might actually have some, someone from JoeBlow.com coming in sometime maybe next week or sometime in the future talking about Jaws, doing a Jaws review. Hey. So I'm hoping. Talking about anniversaries, 45 years, man. <laughs> exactly. And that's actually one of my favorite movies of all time is Jaws. But aside from the crow, but <laughs> yeah. <is> actually, <laughs> you're trying to get Professor Crow on here, aren't you? That would be okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a good yelling. <laughs> oh man, I would love to get Christian on here and have him do Professor Crow. I, mean, I, I love that so character so much. So <laughs> That's got to be my favorite character that he does, honestly. Mine, too. Aside from the Arnold impressions and, you know, Al Pacino. <laughs> so, uh, with all that being said, we are going to move right into the lead, which is uh, theaters are planning to reopen amid crisis and get your opinions on it. Uh, John, I'll let okay. you go first because you actually called this one. You called this one square on the button. <laughs> right. I ended up saying that all movie theaters would actually open up on July 15th. And guess what, Neo? You're not the one. I'm the one. So go on ahead. Lock off the movie set and everything. I'm actually the one right now because I am the Oracle. I'm the one who called the fact that movie theaters are going to be opening up on July 15th. At that time, I was like, you know what? everybody was actually staying indoors all that time too. So I was thinking, okay, we're, we're staying safe with this thing. We're actually keeping the distance distance and everything. We're using our hand sanitizers. We're using our mask. And we also saw a decline in the curve during that time period where nobody went out or did anything. Now that this whole entire pandemic has opened up the gates for people to go on ahead and go out again and stuff like that. It's just like that mayor from Jaws is like, oh, you guys can go out and everything. Everything's perfectly fine. But there's a shark out there. No, there's no shark. There's no pandemic going on. We're just going to go on ahead and let the virus take your life. That's all. 
But with this whole entire thing, though, I think it's not the right time to actually opening up the theaters on July 15th because of the fact that the curve is actually being increased again. It's not actually slightening the curve at all. It's actually stupid to go ahead and open up movie theaters during this time, even though I predicted the fact that, you know, movie theaters would actually open up during this time. And I was actually one of the ones who was actually optimistic. But now I even have to go on ahead and agree that this is actually too soon to actually open up since, you know, we're having an incline on people that are actually getting sick, dying from this virus again. The numbers keep on going up every single year. So I think it's actually pretty stupid to actually do something like this. When you say every single year, I'm assuming you meant to say every single day. <laughs> every single day. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like, you know what? It actually does feel like a year if you think about it. Oh, uh, I know. I know. Working at the hotel, it feels like it's been 10 years. But, um, yeah. My big thing about it was is AMC came out and said they didn't want to get uh, in a political discussion about the masks, so they weren't going to force the mask to be an issue, which actually is them getting political about the mask because they took a side. <laughs> so either way you right. look at it, you got political, and I mean, sorry shape of the world that we're in now that wearing a mask determines what your politics are. That it's like blows exactly. My mind. <clears throat> And I feel like that they do. I feel like this. You need to have your mask on during watching a movie. And I was like, well, how am I going to eat my popcorn and drink my soda? Okay, you're a dumbass if you don't know how to have common sense. All you do is pull your mask down for a minute, stuff some popcorn in your mouth, drink some soda, put your mask back up again, and then do keep on repeating the same thing over again until you're full on your popcorn or your soda. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. It's common freaking sense that God created you to actually have, but I guess some of you actually don't have common sense. <laughs> well, I do have to say that AMC did backtrack after social media pressure, and they did say that they are going to require masks for all patrons and workers. At least that's the last that I heard unless they changed something. Regal also came out today, and they said the same thing. So they caved the public pressure. So I do have to throw that in there. I still don't agree with it. I mean, I know, Larry, you work at a movie theater. How, what do you think? Do you, do you feel comfortable going back to work, uh, considering that we're having a ramp up in certain states? I mean, I know not every state is. Pennsylvania, we're holding steady, if not on the slight decline, because uh, we keep bouncing. The lowest number I've seen is 384 for a daily case uh announcement and then today it was like 504 506 something like that we keep bouncing between the 380s and the 500s so we're kind of in that peak valley scenario where we're basically right. holding, we're treading water right now but uh Larry, thing, i would though. love for you to chime in because i know you're here uh i i would love to get your opinion because you you work there you work in the theater industry i work in the hotel industry so i'm sure it's different john you work in the medical industry you're having an issue right now at work that i'm not gonna get involved in on right it's just it's 
I guess it's personal preference is what it's going to boil down to. Well, Larry actually did respond. Larry did respond. If it was up to me, test the waters to tenant, then shut it down to the next round of blockbusters, I think, in September. And then he goes on to say, I'm okay with going to work now. Depends on how the standards will be. So that's coming straight from somebody that actually works in the theater industry. Okay. Um, but but, I mean, I, but I like you said, it depends. Go ahead. Right. Sorry. Um, basically, what I want to say, too, is the fact that over at my theater, the theater that's like 15, 20 minutes away, they're actually having it to where for $40, you can actually book a private uh, auditorium just for you or your family for $40 where you don't have to worry about the public. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, 40 bucks. That's not bad for, for an auditorium just for yourself, you know? And then of course they're having it to where you can actually skip a couple of seats too. Yeah. So there's that. But I agree with uh, Larry though too. Just open it up for a couple of days for tenant and then close it back up. And then when you have another big release opening it, maybe you can actually open it up and then close it back up again. Yeah, and I, it just shows you the power that Nolan has for Nolan to be able to flex his muscles and say, hey, I want this movie out in theaters. Don't you dare put it on uh, streaming services. It, it shows you the power that he has within the industry. Anybody that thinks that Nolan don't have power, I mean, there's two people I would say right now that has power, I mean, other than your typical names of Spielberg and Cameron, is uh, you're looking at Nolan and you're looking at, um, yeah, damn it, I'm pulling a Jay Wade here. I lost it. I can't think of the second <laughs> name I was, I was thinking of. I'll think of it later. Right. Okay. But yeah, Christopher Nolan does definitely have a lot of pull, especially whenever you have juggernaut films that he made billions off of with Warner Brothers. You have Inception, you have the Batman trilogy, you have uh, a lot of the other films, that uh, Dunkirk. The list just goes on on all the films that Nolan has actually made. So it's no wonder why WB actually gives him the control that he actually has, because they know that a Christopher Nolan film is actually going to make money. And because it's going to make money, they, he knows that they know for a fact that people will go out and see his movie. There's that box office draw. But now this pandemic is going on and Nolan is still pushing for it. So I'm not sure if, you know, if this thing is going to make as much money as Nolan is actually thinking it's going to make, regardless of the fact that Warner Brothers actually has faith in him and what he can do. Yeah, the second name I was thinking of was uh, Snyder. Because Snyder's getting his uh, Justice League cut. So, I mean, that just shows you. And that's not just so much his power as it is the power of him and the cast and the fandom behind that. But True. you want to talk about powerhouses, people that have influence on the way things are done. Those are the four names I'd be thinking of. Spielberg, Nolan, Cameron, Snyder. Those are the ones I think of right now. I can see that. So anything else that you want to add to that? or? Uh, 
No, I, I mean, unless somebody in the comments has something that they want to chime in on, uh, I think we pretty much got that covered up with our opinions there. So uh, our next topic is that The Walking Dead Season 10 finale is being teased to air very, very soon. Um, be careful when you're looking for this because I stumbled across something that I wish that I didn't know because I hit a big potential spoiler and I understand why they would be doing what they want to do, but I don't don't like the idea. Uh, but I get it considering where the next uh, story arc is going to go. So... All right, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I can say say things without potentially being that guy because I know it and I don't want to say it. <laughs> but is it a character that we knew from season one? No. Okay, it's a big so one. it's a big one. Okay, I'll say that, and okay. I know. About a month ago, they went and said that we're going to have a bloodbath, which, I mean, can all things considered the way that things are laid out for the final episode of Season 10, it's... I don't know if you're caught up or not, but it's... No, I'm not. Dire straits. Let's, let's just say that. I'm still in the process of trying to get caught up and everything, but I've been busy with stuff, so... Yeah, I, I can't really elaborate anymore without opening my mouth and spoiling shit. So I'm I'm, I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to okay. do it. I'm not going to do it. I made a promise that when I read it, that I wasn't I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not going to pull an old school John Schnapp and spoil it for people. <laughs> So, uh, trying to think anything else I wanted to say about that. Oh, they said that they're, they had like a, Angela Kang came out and said they had like a week, a week or two worth of work to do yet post production. And they would be ready to go. And they went back in the posts on the 12th, which would have been. A little over a week ago. So by that schedule, if it's a week or two, by this Friday, they should be done in post. And the end of Comic-Con is the 26th of uh, July, which is on a Sunday. And there's rumored to be a Walking Dead uh, panel sometime during Comic-Con. They're still planning on doing one. I could see them dropping the, fun the finale Throw the panel, saying, "Here's the news. Here's what we're doing. This is where we're getting ready to go." And saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, here's the finale. Have fun, and just air it on live stream, and then air it on TV almost back to back immediately. Better do a simulcast, one or the other." Right. I mean, that's just my me me as a fan. That's me hoping. 
Well, for me and everything, I mean, I'm thrilled that they're actually going to be doing it and everything. It's just that I wish I could have that excitement of actually being caught up with it so I can't actually get be more excited for it. But right now, you know, I'm not that excited because of the fact I haven't kept up with it like I wanted to. So where I think I might cut, be more optimistic. Huh? Where did you cut off at? What do you mean? Like where where did you where did you stop watching? Was it when Negan showed up? No, 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 no. I'm actually caught up on I'm actually on season ten. I'm just not Oh, okay. Caught, yeah, I haven't watched any of season ten. Hardly. All right. So that's where I'm at. Oh, season yeah, ten. So, oh, season ten is wrong. Like <laughs> the last. I have to go back and remember where Tamika and I actually left off at. I think once I pull up the AMC app, I'll be able to know. But you know, the last thing I watched at, at before Tamika told me, and I started watching it was the part where uh, Alpha's looking up at Carol, and that was it. That would have been da, 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 the mid-season finale. You you no, ended like, it. No, that was like where they're uh, looking over the plane from each other. Carol's up here, and Alpha's down here, and she's looking up at her, and she's like, "What the fuck yeah, are you like doing on my three. land?" Is that episode? Yeah, three? that was like episode. Yeah, that was like episode three. Oh shit, that was. You're right. You're right because that was after the satellite. Yeah, that, that was, was like after the fire out. Okay. Yep. So yeah. But like I said, I'd want to be excited. I want to be optimistic about it. But right now, I think once I get caught up, I think I might actually have that same level of excitement and everything. It's just right now I'm kind of like on a medium level of excitement. So I think once I get finished watching it and everything, I think I might actually be okay. I would say this much about season 10. The front half is all lead up, and the back half is cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger. All right. So, but they're good cliffhangers. Like, people have issues with cliffhangers generally, but they're they're really good cliffhangers. Everything has resolution. Every single cliffhanger is a resolution point. I'm okay with cliffhangers as long as it actually leads up to something. Because you know how certain cliffhangers don't lead up to anything hardly. Yeah, like don't don't do um, the Negan cliffhanger at the end of season six, leading into seven. That that was a very poor choice. But yeah, short of going into spoiler territory on that, I can't really divulge much more, unfortunately. Because if I do, I'm going to hang myself because I don't want to be that guy. Exactly. So, on to movie news. And, Larry, I saw it was your first comment in here. Uh, Sir Ian Holm passed away on Friday night. Uh, if you have watched Lord of the Rings, you know him as uh, Bilbo. And if you've watched The Fifth Element, he is also the monk, which I did not realize. So, and I, I realized that as I was looking for a picture of him, so that way I could show people. And this is the picture I came up with. 
So obviously that's from Lord of the Rings, and I need to get rid of that banner. So, uh, yeah, Sir Ian Holm succumbed to basically old age uh, this past Friday. Unfortunately, great actor, really, really great actor. I, I still blows my mind and I didn't realize that he uh, was the monk from Fifth Element. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I looked it up and he's the monk from the Fifth Element. So. <laughs> That's what he was. I forgot all about yeah. that. That's Serian Holm. I forgot all about that. I just knew him from Lord of the Rings, and that was it. I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. put two and two together. Yeah, I think it's one of my favorite movies too. <laughs> yeah, Brandy just said that too. That it's one of favorite movies. I wouldn't say it's in my favorite movie category. I could watch it just like as a popcorn flick, just to escape reality. It's just, it's not in my top 10 films that I would pop in to escape reality, to be absolutely honest. But it, it's a okay. good film. It's in my top 20. I gotcha. I would say, I would uh, even go as far as to say it's in my top 15. For me, it was in my top 10 sci fi movies or part of Frenchie's top 10 sci fi movies when we did it. <laughs> when we did our sci fi. We have never made a top 10 science fiction uh list before i have to do that it's actually pretty challenging because i'm like okay well I like this movie here but then i find something else and i'm like okay i need to find something else to top this and i was removing stuff adding stuff and then finally i have my top 10 list but uh so with movie news and everything we have Hugh Jackman and Michael Mann reviving a up uh, a Ferrari biopic. So basically, this film is going to be in the summer of 1957 when Enzio Ferrari found himself at a professional and personal crossroads. He was on the verge of bankruptcy, his marriage was crumbling, and the pressure was on for the imagine it to dominate the brutal Miller. Magella race across Italy. So it sounds like powerful stuff. Following uh, Black Hat's historious uh, and, in my opinion, unearned reception. So I think that this is actually going to be a pretty good biopic compared to Ford versus Ferrari, which I think all we're getting from Ford versus Ferrari is just the two cars just uh, competing against each other, what they put into the car the engine, the torque, everything that it goes into building a car versus what is actually about the actual person. So I'm perfectly fine with Hugh Jackman being, uh, being the per Michael, um, part, being the person who actually made Ferrari. And I'm also excited because of the fact that we actually dive into his life, especially in 1957. And we actually get to see him make a 1957 Ferrari while he's also battling with um, 
the pressures of being in bankruptcy and also his marriage collapsing. So I'm actually excited to see what this movie's actually going to look like. Now, what about you? I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari yet. It's I definitely want to. I just I haven't got around to it yet. Um, it's definitely in my top five, maybe even top three list of movies that I need to watch. Uh, because it got overshadowed for me by 1917 because I just fell in love with 1917. Um, my first question is, is this Ferrari's spin on Ford versus Ferrari? Because my understanding is Ford versus Ferrari was Ford's take on Ford on that, that rivalry. So is this Ferrari's take on the rivalry from their angle? And yes, Brandy Hugh Jackman is an excellent actor. Actually, 1957 is when he was going bankrupt, bankrupt, and this one is in Ford versus Ferrari. You're dealing with stuff that happened in 1966, so that's when they wind up having the battle between Ford versus Ferrari. Is in 1966. Oh, in okay. France. So this so, this predates that then. Yeah. Okay. All so right. I like that idea. I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari or anything like that either. I was just going based off what I saw. Okay. And I kind of figured that, you know, it was going to be just about two people competing against each other and Ford versus Ferrari where you don't have a lot of detail into their lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to actually dive into the, the maker of Ferrari and see what he actually went through and everything in 1957. That's my curiosity. Yeah. With that. Yeah, because that's that was immediately where my brain went. It's like, so it's interesting. We got one perspective uh, from the Ford angle, so I would think that this would be the Ferrari angle, but if it predates that, it completely shoots that idea out of the water. Right. So. This is a total biopic. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe they'll touch on so, it then. Maybe if it's a complete biopic, maybe they'll touch on it. What I would like to see is with the biopic tie uh, Ford versus Ferrari into it at the very end. Is it the same studio? That I don't know. <laughs> if it is or not. And if it's the same studio, that would work. Right. They could tie it in. I mean, they could just do a time jump. Yeah, I mean. It, I don't see why you couldn't because I mean, it's still in the no, you know, dad pun here for Father's Day. By the way, happy Father's Day to everybody, all the fathers out there. Um, but uh, it's in the wheelhouse. Definitely. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. Bad pun. Larry, you don't have to tell me. I know. Bad pun. Let's see. And then we also have Edgar Wright attached to direct the chain adaptation. So Deadline was the one who originally reported it. And it's based on the report uh, will be directing the adaptation of Adrian McKethy's best-selling 2019 novel, The Chain. Uh, the, fil the film, which is being penned by uh, Jane Golden, Goldman, tells the story of Rachel who learns that her 11-year-old daughter has been kidnapped and is forced to kidnap another child to rescue her. With those parents having to kidnap another child for Rachel's daughter to be released, 
If neither Rachel nor the parents of the child she kidnaps go through with it, Rachel's daughter will be murdered, uh, making her part of the chain. A terrifying and malicious chain letter, kidnapping scheme, turning parents from victims to criminals. So what do you think of that idea with Edgar Wright? Because, you know, Edgar Wright's always about some cheesiness when it comes down to some of his movies, especially when you look at Baby Driver on some level. Because I really, I enjoy Baby Driver a lot, but you can definitely I, tell I, that he loves the cheese. Huh? I like the idea that they take the chain letter concept and they use it basically in the human trafficking sense. That's an interesting take. And I feel right. that this film could take one of two roads. It could be an action horror or a thriller horror. Because Anytime you kidnap a kid, in my mind, that's immediately, and this is talking as a parent, this is a horror-filled scenario. It's the worst case, worst imaginable case scenario for any parent. So I agree. That's just where my brain goes. Right, and then you also have the parents kidnapping another child in order to get another child back. Yep. If that child doesn't get rescued or anything like that then they're stuck in that chain and I, I like the whole entire thriller concept of that like you have some like the links that you would actually go through to try and get your child back and then you actually have to do something dark and corrupt to try and get your child uh, get that other person's child back too so I mean I, I really love that uh, whole entire concept yeah you know? it Trying to, it kind of has like a soul feel to it where you're basically playing a game to make something come out of it, like to the good. I, I'm totally way off base, even attaching the soul movies to this in my head, but it's just, it's just where my it does have that like, I, I, I can't I help it. just. In my mind, because, like I said, my worst as my biggest fear is something happening to my kids. It just you could do anything to me. My worst fear is my kids. You mess with my kids, I have no idea what I'll do. It's just I'm not sure if I feel you. that way because I'm a parent, or if I would always have felt that way because I I'm always protective of children, whether they're mine or not. Right, you just have that instinct about you to where you want to take charge and want to actually do something that's actually right and noble. That's what you want to do, yeah. regardless if it's your kid or not. So with that, you probably be the uh, even though that you're the victim of your kid being taken, you're going to go through any lengths possible, even taking somebody else's kid just to, so you can get your own kid back. But at the same token, I'm also going to try to do anything I can to stop whoever's doing this. I'm going to try to find, I, I would be the person trying to find the source at the same time. I'd be doing the necessary evil for the necessary good, but at the same time trying to find the source of the issue and taking that person out. That's what I would be doing as well, but I think I would actually take the child and then go on it. Once I'm confronted with that person, take them out. <laughs> <clears throat> but, so, yeah. 
that's just um, where, like I said, that's just where my brain goes, honestly. Okay. I, I can't help it. <laughs> Let's see here. I don't know. Did you want to talk any more about that or no? No, that's the only thing I have. On, I'm interested to see it. I really am. I am all in to see it. But at the same time, I know in my own headspace, I know exactly what I'm going to be thinking as I'm watching it. I'll be putting myself in that character's shoes and like, okay, so you're doing this, but I would do that instead. Because I'm I just agree. that type I would of go over where I just, I analyze as I'm watching and it's like, but could you have done that better? Like, <laughs> uh, another thing I want to talk about is you remember a little book uh, that was by Scholastic called uh, Animorphs? Yes. yes. They're actually they making a movie. They're actually making a movie. I've heard, and I'm of the opinion that it doesn't need to be done. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of the books, if you can't tell. Well, I was a fan. I actually read the books back when I was younger and everything, too. Aside from Goosebumps, which is actually one of my other favorite series as a kid growing up reading R.L. Stein. But then one of my friends discovered Animorphs. I'm like, you know what? Let me go in and check this thing out. And next thing you know what? I wound up buying the book, buying several books on it. The only thing is, this reminds me of whenever they did Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, when they were saying that they were going to make a live action adaptation of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, is yeah. that is the fact that we're all grown up now. <laughs> kids are not, kids today are not going to know what Animorphs are. Or anything like that, unless we introduce the future to the kids uh, to what we grew up on. That would be the only way that kids in a 2020 world will actually know what Animorphs is and everything. I just don't see this movie being successful or anything like that with the fact that it's been so long since we actually got an Animorphs TV series. And then also, too, I don't even know if they're still publishing Animorphs books anymore. Yeah, I don't know, you know if they are. I'll find out. Because if they are, then I would say, okay, then there, there's actually a market for an Animorphs movie versus um, versus not having any type of source material other than the stuff from the 1990s and the 90s. So that's all that I could think of is the fact that I don't see this actually being a success like they think it is. But May I of could be wrong. It's not going to be Okay, the last, so May two thousand one was the last one. All right, so you have a lot of books that you had from the nineties all the way up to two thousand and one, but even then, the kids that are from two thousand one are now grown up. Yep. So how do you actually introduce the, this movie into a twenty twenty world with animorphs? The best way that you can actually do it is through a Netflix TV series versus doing a movie. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that 110%. Uh, I mean, you want to take a 90s property and throw it out there that people thought was going to be successful, and it ended up, I wouldn't say it flopped, but it was mediocre, and it's remembered for Krispy Kreme, and that's the Power Rangers reboot. Everybody thought, oh, well, the kids still watch Power Rangers is on Nickelodeon, blah, blah, blah. It'll it'll work. And it's like, eh, it didn't work so well. Personally, I liked it. 
I, I think what they did with the material was really good because they went all the way back to the old school 93 Money Morphin, and it's like, yeah, okay. I can see that spin. I like the fact that we got the Zordon backstory. I like the fact that we got Arena backstory, which we kind of really didn't get in the series. Right. But it still, it was mediocre. And it's like, hmm. That was, that was a pretty good gut shot. 90s properties seem not to transfer very well in movie format for one reason or another. Not. Especially when you look at Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which I knew was going to be a PG-13 movie, which has nothing to do with it being good or not, but it's the way that they decided to go about it is the direction of the film that I had issues with. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's going to be the same thing with this, whereas the direction goes, and it may not age well properly, uh, age well within the book pages itself, I'm not that excited for it. I'm really not. I mean, it's been years since I picked up an Animorphs book and everything, and tried reading it, reading it, and everything. So I don't know if I'm even going to go see it. They had us reading them in middle school for light reading. Uh, just because that's how they had our classes set up. It just wasn't a fan. But I'll tell you right now, I'd read any of them books over to Tale of Two Cities. That book, oh my god, Tale of Two Cities is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading that book. <laughs> oh my god. I still have nightmares about that That was a book. rough read. Yeah. That was a rough read. Oh yeah. <laughs> But that's all that I have for movie news, though, as far as things go. And I, I agree with you, though, that that, ser- that should be a series on Netflix or a series on HBO Max. It should not be. Uh, it just it shouldn't be a movie. I agree. And not only that, but I hope they don't try and do like a $150 million budget like they did with Batman versus Superman. Oh, you know, they, they, they can actually make their money back. You know they will. Because it's <laughs> going to be harder than hell to make that money back with a $150 million budget. <laughs> Especially whenever you're dealing with a 2020 world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially a post-COVID world. Right. <laughs> but... You know, we're we're not the ones who's running the show, so. Yep. All right. So the next thing that I have on the docket is that J.J. Abrams is asking Lucasfilms to re-release the pre-1997 unspecial editions of the original trilogy. I don't get behind much of what J.J. does, but I'm behind this because I think the special editions actually hurt the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I am I in the vocal minority here or am I in the vocal majority? I have no idea, but I just I've always felt that way. To be apparently, honest with you, I'm just or apparently Larry agrees with me. <laughs> because he's pretty vocal about it right there. Yep. So <laughs> I would I would like to actually see them release the original uh, trilogy, not the, you know what I'm saying? I would like to actually see it, the uncut trilogy of it. My understand, my, you under, know? 
my yeah, my understanding. My question is is why is this a thing? Like, why can't we have the original and we can't have the special edition and you let the consumer or the audience decide which one they like better, which one they want? Right. Because I would go out and I'd buy the uh, pre-special edition set long before I would buy the special edition set. I would like to actually, here's the thing, I actually own the Blu-ray set, or did own the Blu-ray set, but I would like to actually own the original trilogy on the Blu-ray set. Everything, so the way I could at least have both sets to compare the two on. I mean, I get that they have Anakin as uh, Hayden Christensen at the end of Jedi. I could see why they did that. At the same time, I still don't like it. I don't like I don't that at all. Want to, <laughs> right. to be honest with you, the prequels never really did anything for me other than the pod racing. You know? Yeah. The pod yeah. racing and the battle against Darth Maul was one of the two things that I really loved about Phantom Menace. Oh, uh, you can After never that, get with Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates is absolutely fucking amazing. Right. But... I don't want to see a pre-1997 special, edi special edition. I, now, as far as the original trilogy goes, like I was saying, I would like to see the original cut of the original trilogy versus what? a... Yeah, that's what JJ's asking for. JJ wants that. He's asking for okay. the same thing you're asking for. He doesn't want the special editions. He wants the original cuts. That's, that's yeah, what he that's what for. I want. Right, I don't want no special editions from the uh, prequels either. Though, either you know, what I'm saying I don't want none of that either. <laughs> so, I don't want to remember the prequels. <laughs> I just find it very, very interesting that JJ is asking for the, uh, as he calls them, the unspecial editions. Brandy comes out and says, "My oldest daughter loves the Rise of Skywalker." Now, Brandy, I have a question for you. Did you see the uh, somebody put together, and I, I absolutely love this video. Somebody put together the part, and this is going to go slightly spoiler. So, if anybody's watching this video and hasn't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, one, you're probably like one of five people that haven't seen it yet, and two, uh, just I guess skip ahead five or ten minutes, I guess. But uh, my question is. Did you see the video where Ray and the Emperor are going head to head with each other and they're saying one says, well, the Emperor says, I'm all the Sith. Ray says, I'm all the Jedi. But she has Anakin, Yoda, uh, Obi-Wan. And there's he and Luke behind her when she's fighting the Emperor as Force Ghost. And I think if they would have done that, that would have been absolutely epic and i'm kind of disappointed that the person didn't put qui-gon jinn in because one i'm kind of partial to qui-gon jinn he's my favorite jedi but yeah it is what it is i agree yeah. i think that. if they would have if they would have went and they would have put the force ghost behind her i think it would have made more of an impact in that moment do i like the film in its entirety it was severely rushed I will say that the book I 
listened to the book on audiobooks and I I like the book a lot. It gives a lot of detail. Uh, and things that happen in between the scenes. And I think it would have you would have benefited to see that on screen, a lot of the detail. And we just we didn't get it, unfortunately. I was let down with the whole Snoke thing, uh, not Snoke, but uh, Palpatine thing. I wanted well, to know. That's you know, the details. That's, that's the details in the book. Uh, with him, it actually goes into his thought process from Jedi. They actually go back in time to Jedi for a brief moment as he's falling down the shaft about how they, how he was remembering that they did testing and doing the clones and trying to remember how to do the Sith transfer of his mental status to another body. And he, they go through all that detail of like how he got to where he is in this film. That's the moment we, we needed that moment in the film because that moment I agree. so, so much instead of having Kylo go on and say, so how are you not dead? And he basically just goes reasons. It's like, I think we would have no, had that. No, not reasons. <laughs> well, I think we would have had that if JJ would have directed the second movie and then tied it into the third film to where he can go back or at least have Luke's hand and make that a part of it and then going back to that time. Well, yeah, because that was supposed to be Force Awakens. That was supposed to be an opening right. shot of Force Awakens, was seeing Luke's hand floating through space. Right. And I think Which if they would have actually put this in weird. one, <laughs> I think it would have been perfect to actually put Luke's hand in this one, and then have like a flashback of what everything that happened at, back then, and then have it flashed in this time period and do it that way. I don't know. We can Monday night. We can Monday quarterback that all we want. To be honest, I mean, it's not going to change anything. Right. Of what we got. It's just, it could have been done better. I'll, I'll just say that much. And it's great, Brandy, that your daughter uh, loves uh, that movie. And I'm not going to hold anything against that. I love Last Jedi. And I get a lot of shit for it. But I love it. And I love it for one reason. I love it for the fact of when he's teaching Ray about the Force and the line of breathe, just breathe. Like that that line, it resonates in my core so much. And I'll take all the shit in the world for loving that movie. But that I, Last Jedi for me is the best Star Wars movie other than Rogue One. So... But, Brandy, I see that you said that you haven't seen that video yet. By all means, you need to watch that video. It's amazing. It's floating around on um, uh, Facebook and on Twitter. That's where I've been seeing it a lot. I'm sure if you did a YouTube search for it, you would find it as well. Uh, just put in uh, Ray versus Palpatine Force Ghost. I'm sure you'll find it on YouTube. So, But, uh... Yeah, I found that very interesting that JJ is asking for uh, the original cuts. And I don't understand why 
that's not a thing already. I don't understand why it never was a thing after the special editions. But I'm sure it has something to do with George. Because, you know, George is a little finicky like that. Sorry, I kind of went on a rant there. <laughs> I mean, that's like a light rant, though. I've seen you rant be be uh, worse, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, do we need to talk about uh, the start of the year, one of my first videos? Or it's not even a video. Not it was one of my first audios. <laughs> I know you know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> On that note, though, uh, I wanted to get your reaction to uh, the Snyder Cut teaser trailer that we got that was a surprise to everybody. I don't know if you saw uh, it or not. Yeah, I did. I love the fact that we actually get a little bit now of Dark side now. We actually know what we're facing. I love the whole entire thing with Gal Gadot actually running into Dark Side. So the tambalization of the fact that this thing was actually true all along, and now we're actually seeing the pieces that were actually cut out the out of the film and everything. It's just fantastic. It made me excited. I had goosebumps on it. I tweeted out about it. I mean, I was I was blown away with it. And everything and i know it's like a 30 second short but for that 30 seconds we actually know what was actually missing out of that film that actually needed it it was the meat and potatoes of justice league that we actually needed exactly. and everything and it just goes to show you what warner brothers did with the on the editing floor yeah and i <clears throat> i even went and i said because i was watching it when i was on my lunch break the day that it dropped and I said out loud, and there's people in the break room, I said, now that's the Justice League that we were missing. That's the Justice League we should have got. And I think, I mean, I don't know the background of where he's at when they do that zoom in and they pan up. Uh, I want to say that's Apocalypse. I could be wrong. Maybe <laughs> it's either Apocalypse or it's a post-destructive Earth. It's one of the two. It has to be one of the two. <laughs> I want to say that is probably going to be um, Apocalypse more than anything. It looks like it would actually Because if you think about it, it, may, it makes sense for it to be Apocalypse because of the fact that you have Dark Side. Mm -hmm. You know? Now, are we so keeping, are we keeping um, Steppenwolf? In this one, that'll be interesting to see if we keep him. Because normally where That's Dark Side is, Steppenwolf is the far behind, at least if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but I think that's how it works. Basically, Steppenwolf is basically yep. Dark Side's uh, Silver Surfer to um, uh, Galactus. Yeah, I get, I'm wondering that myself, though, if they're actually going to keep Steppenwolf in there or not. I don't want to see him going after the mother boxes and everything. Mother, I do not yeah. want to see that. Yeah, that that whole bit know. where he was he was saying that it's like that it's like the whole Mary scene out of Batman versus Superman, like repeat oh, over and over and over and over again. Right, I agree. I I don't want I I don't want to see Steppenwolf. I much rather just see Darkseid and let him be the primary villain. Yeah, and then if they want to go on ahead and incorporate uh, 
incorporate him again, Steppenwolf, into a second Justice League movie and try and do it right, I'm okay. I'm fine with that, too. But my thing is, I know that they did Deathstroke. And I know that uh, Magadella was going to be Deathstroke, but my thing is, if there is a way to actually tie in Robert Pattinson's uh, Batman, let Ben Affleck be Batman one more time, even though I'm afraid with the whole alcoholism thing that he went through during that time. But let him be Batman one more time. Let him meet Ra's al Ghul. Basically, what would happen is Deathstroke, him and Deathstroke wind up fighting down to the uh, to the uh, bone, pretty much, where Batman's on his deathbed, and the only way for him to actually be young again is for him to be in the Lazarus Pit. And have then that be where Robert Patterson takes the mantle? Yep. Yeah, and I that would be the way to connect it. I could see that, but I... Does the Lazarus Pit make you young again, or does it just bring you back to life? Because I thought it just brought you back to life. I think it does. Uh, I want to say it does, besides bring you back to life. You know, I'm not well-versed in my DC stuff. I mean, I know so, I know some of the big cliff notes, but they're, I'm not going to sit here. Like, if you put me in the snow down and you said you're going to be asked DC questions across the board, it's like, yep, see you in the parking lot, dudes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, now you put me up against somebody and it's all straight MCU questions. It'll be like, I'm game, let's do this. I'm good with DC and MCU stuff, so <laughs> <clears throat> and yes, Larry, I just told you a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else you got? <laughs> Um, well, I see that Larry responded to that. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, something that dropped here uh, a couple days ago, actually. I have the article right here. Two, 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 once I get my cursor back. Uh, Scoob is hitting HBO Max this upcoming Friday. Which makes me really, really, really happy that I did not go and I run it on... Uh, any streaming platform because now I get to watch it on HBO Max. So I'll wait another week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited that we're actually going to get Scoob on it because I was wanting to watch it for myself. I don't have kids or anything like that. So, you know, I wanted to try and check out Scoob myself Mm -hmm. and see how the animation was because I remember Harloff saying that he didn't like the animation style in it. But I wanted to see it for myself on how the animation was actually set up. See, I'm worried I'm going to have the same issue because I love Scooby-Doo and I love the animation style of the show, like the original show. And this is pure CGI. Like, it's obvious just even by the picture that I'm seeing here. It's just pure CGI. But it's just... I, I have to see it in action before I put my final word on that. So... right. I'm, I hope that I don't have the same feeling. I hope the story's good. Uh, my favorite Scooby-Doo uh, show or film is Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. I love That's a good one. Love that film. 
Uh, Larry, I did watch the uh, Scoob trailer, but I actually want to see it in the film itself because it could look one way in the trailer, even animation, and it could look completely different uh, in the film. I feel the same way you do because I want to actually see it in the, its full context versus a, a one-minute, two-minute trailer. Because don't, don't get me wrong, back whenever uh, we got the Spider-Verse movie, I was thrown off with the animation style and the way it was whenever we first see the trailer. So I'm like, okay, I don't think I want to see this. Then, you know, they went on ahead, they adjusted the animation to where they needed to have it, and the next thing you know what, I wanted to check out Spider-Verse. Now with this, I'm actually wanting to see how they actually do it in a in its full context, context, because of the fact that with the animation style that they decided to use, I'm kind of iffy on how they do it because it kind of looks like a block style animation style kind of thing, that is actually kind of something that actually throws me off to the point where I'm kind of turned off by it. But at the same time, it's a Scooby Doo movie, so therefore that makes me even more optimistic about it. But at the same time, I'm kind of lukewarm. Um, both yeah. Ends. yeah, see, I'm kind of the same way. It's like, uh, I don't know. I just, I want to have a good time watching it. That That's my thing. I want to have a good time watching it. I say what you will about the live action Scooby-Doo's. Eh. First one was okay. The second one was trash. <laughs> uh, there's a reason that the third one didn't get made. <clears throat> But uh, I'm also reading yeah, here. Yeah, the second one I didn't really care for either, especially what they decided to do with Scrappy Doo. Well, yeah, Scrappy Doo wasn't even the second one, if I recall correctly, was he? I want to say he was. Yeah, I thought he was like the bad guy or something. No, that was the first one. Scrappy the first one. Was okay. The first one. Okay. Okay. The, the second one. I don't think Scrappy was even mentioned then. Okay, it's been years since I've seen the original, the uh, live action Scooby Doo movies, so. Please excuse me for getting that one wrong. <laughs> I will not make it on a showdown for that one. <laughs> uh, also, apparently Warner Brothers is going to have an event in September because they're teasing via a set of videos on Instagram. This is from the same article. Uh, some major September announcements for the Goonies, Sherlock Holmes, and Beetlejuice. But unclear what the announcement is. Though it's likely that all three films will score a 4K UHD release. Two of the three have already been announced. So, I know Sherlock Holmes 3 was supposed to start filming or start script writing or something here in the near future. Yeah, they were supposed to start future. Uh, script writing. So, I'll be... I'm, I, I can't wait for Sherlock Holmes 3. I love Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock Holmes. And I think that's going to make him uh, come back to where he was. Now that he doesn't have the MCU now, I think now is the right time for him to actually do another Sherlock movie. Because all his other movies have not been making that much money. Look at Doolittle and look at The Judge. Uh, The Judge was great, though. I don't understand why that movie didn't make money. That that movie was great. Right, I agree with you on that. It's just that the box office, I'm looking at it from box office numbers. Oh, I know. Numbers talk more than opinions. Right, because I love The Judge. I watch it every single time it comes on DirecTV. That's how much I loved it. 
it's just the whole fact that they didn't make that much money at the box office. And every single movie that it seems like RDJ tries to make, it doesn't do that great because it's not Iron Man or anything. The last movie that he actually struck home with is Sherlock Holmes. So it would make sense for him to actually go back and do another Sherlock movie and then maybe make another comedy or something to get that stardom back again. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, that, that was interesting to see that they were already bringing Scoob to uh, HBO Max, which is a great move on HBO Max's part, by the way. Agreed. So, uh, now we're going to go into the realm of sports news. And uh, the next topic that we had here was the NFL remains positive for uh, – I really worded this uh, headline wrong. <laughs> I'm reading this. <laughs> NFL remains NFL positive needs. for upcoming season despite <laughs> the rash of Boston COVID cases among teams. <laughs> Wow. Me oh, I doing the that. Headline. I was like, that does not sound good. <laughs> Oopsie. Where's that Mortal Kombat guy at when you need him? <laughs> but I, I do have to say this. I think it's this is another one of those cases where it's actually stupid to actually have an NFL season, especially when you, you look at the uh, college teams for – for the NW, uh, NAA uh, football teams. Because LSU, the whole team, got tested for coronavirus just recently. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about this in uh, in the green room uh, scenario right before we, as we were testing our setup here for the night that uh, I don't understand why baseball isn't bad because it's the least contact sport that we have, and yeah, football's going to try to make a go of it. And it's the most contact sport that we have. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> so, is if football's willing to give it a shot, I mean, the baseball players, they should be looking at the NFL and be like, hmm, that's interesting. I mean, like, how many times do we actually come in contact with each other normally? I mean, other than us slapping each other on the ass. <laughs> Which I don't, as a former baseball player, I absolutely hated that part of the game. Every time somebody did that to me, I always looked at them like, you ever do that again, I'm going to put this bat so far up your ass. <laughs> I agree on that. I mean, not a fan I, mean I love baseball. Huh? Not a fan of that at all. No. I feel like, you know, they just need to go on ahead and cancel football altogether for this year. It, it doesn't because it doesn't of make it. Sense. No. It really doesn't. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to have sports, but I think that they need to go on ahead and not worry about it. Yeah. Larry says, I think NFL is going to go ahead because they're planning a full season from the start. Major League Baseball is stuck over a short season, which, and I agree, but at the same time, you take one sport, which is literally crack the bat, hit the ball, uh, catch the ball, tag the person out with the glove. What's the worst you're going to do? Five second timeout, lice all your glove, like, or your baseball bat. Yeah, or your baseball bat. I mean, 
So you kind of you take the the pros and the cons of both. I would think you have more pros to get baseball on track than you do to have the NFL come back. There's a reason the XFL canceled the rest of their season in the process, ended up tanking again, unfortunately, for Vince. Because I actually think the XFL would have had legs this time. I think it actually would have worked this time. But at the same token, COVID killed it. I feel bad for Vince, and I don't say that very often. That was just a bad case scenario. Vince could have looked at a crystal ball and looked at 2020 and be like, oh, COVID's going to hit. I'm going to push XFL back two years. I think he would have done it. It, Right. just doesn't make sense to put people in that scenario where in baseball there's very little contact with another person. The only one, the only people that are actually pretty not spaced out is the Empire and the Catcher. Those are the only two people that are like really close yeah. up to each other. Home everybody else is all spread out. Yeah, because everybody else can be six feet apart. It's not an issue. And if you look at the way the baseball field set up, most of them are set up six feet apart, if not further away. Exactly. You have nobody in between first and second, and you have a shortstop in between third and second, and they're all spaced apart very, very far away from each other for an infield standard. And you have the three out in the outfield that are really, really spread out apart. So social distancing isn't an issue there. No, definitely not. So, like I said, it would make more sense to actually have a baseball season than to have the uh, NFL. I understand where Larry is coming from, where they actually already are remaining optimistic with the fact that they want to have their seasons. But at the same time, you have to keep your people safe. You got to you got to keep your players safe. Otherwise, who who's going to play next year? Exactly. You know, what I mean? they're going to have to do something with their contracts to try and readjust their contracts if they decide to cancel a whole entire season. Yep. I mean, I get it. You know, the, the baseball players are saying, oh, we want to get paid. Well, yeah, obviously you want to get paid. You don't want to go to work and not get paid. But at the same right. token, you, you're going to have to take a pro rate. You're going to have to take a pro rate because of the short season. You're going to have to take another pro rate because there's not going to be anybody in the stands. And teams are not going to be able to afford these extravagant uh, contracts. It's common sense. You either play or you don't. And if you don't play, you don't get paid. At least you shouldn't get paid paid at all if you don't play. I agree. Larry comes up and says, what do you do with all the draft picks in the next draft? Well, the same question can be said for Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball has a draft. What do you do? How do, how do you figure that out? It's the same There's problem. always a solution. Do you just go with the old, like, the year before and just do things that way again? Or, like... That's a good question, Larry. I don't I don't know what you yeah. do. Because, because Major League Baseball is in the same scenario. Right. NBA is in the same scenario until they get their tournament kicked off at Disney World. NHL, I believe, has the same scenario for the draft. Yep. Everyone has the same kind of scenario for each team, each um each, for each league. Yeah. Yeah, for each league. That's what I'm basically saying. But 
That's actually a good question. I wouldn't know what to do because I don't know shit about how to manage the leagues or anything like that, you know? But that's as a fan, that's a very good question. Like, what do you do for the draft? How do you how do you do the picks? Because it's all done by the win and loss record. Still hear me, John? Yeah, I can. I'm, I I can still hear you and everything. I just don't have anything really to add to that, though. That's uh, that's got me stumped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anybody has an idea, by all means, present it because Major League Baseball is in a bad way right now. Like they are, I would say they're even in a worse case scenario than what they were after the '94 strike. Right. And the 94 strike is the lowest point in baseball history. So, like, what do you – I mean, there's an idea to turn it into a lottery. I mean, that's about – logistically, that's probably about the only thing that would make sense. Yeah, I know NASCAR is doing that with doing the qualifying for races. They're not doing qualifying. They're drawing lottery out of a hat or lottery out of a box. I mean, whatever number you pick is the number that you start. So, I mean, I guess that's the way you could do it. But I'm sure this isn't this conversation isn't done. This is going to be a conversation leading all the way up to even preseason games. So, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but. I mean, I'm there's sure a big rash of cases that is why this is coming to light right now. Right. And like you said, the LSU team has the whole team. The whole damn team is got this shit. So, and that's college. So what do you do there? College exactly. football is going to have the same problem. So really, if you think about it, the NFL is having the, I mean, if college is having the same problem as the NFL and everything, you might as well just go in and cancel the draft. You cancel the football and then go into it next year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure these conversations are being had in New York with the NFL and the the NBA and wherever all these leagues are headquartered at. I'm sure behind closed doors, commissioners and the owners are having conversation. I'm sure some of the most top tier elite players are involved. And I'm sure some of the top tier elite players from yesteryear are involved in these conversations across in all the sports leagues. So I'm sure we're not the only ones having these conversations, but Larry, that's a very good question. I never even thought about with the draft. You, you got us both stumped on that one. So, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another big story in sports world is that uh, if you – I haven't actually watched the docuseries yet, but I do plan on watching it, and I want to watch it even more now because of this, is The Undertaker went and announced uh, his retirement on uh, – 
the end of the uh, the last ride docu series. So it sounded like we've seen the last of the Undertaker with WrestleMania 36. And I also found out reading the article that his brother died while they were taping that match. Oh wow! Yeah. So talk about double whammy. And here's the thing. I mean, I know that he made a couple announcements in the past that he was retiring, right? Or was that official retiring? Or is this, this more finalized this than last time? This is pretty much a finalized thing. Granted, he did, he did leave the door open a little bit where he went and said, it's up to Vince because I'm on a 15-year contract with him. I'm on it for another 15 years. Okay, That's a long-ass contract. <laughs> that is a long contract, but... The Undertaker has always been one of my favorite wrestlers. I know that I've said that before on here, but it seemed like I'm always attached to like the dark characters when it comes down to, uh, comes down to you wrestling know. like Sting. Yeah, I love Sting. I love Kane. I love the Undertaker. I remember actually having an Undertaker action figure, and everything back in the '90s and everything. The Undertaker has always been one of my favorite characters, and he's putting a lot of time and a lot of effort into doing what he does. I do appreciate his time and his service over into the WWF, and also whenever he transferred into the WWE. He's also did the whole entire thing where he was the Undertaker, and then after that he became what the what what did they call him whenever he was uh, doing the motorcycle bit? American badass. The American badass bit that they did. I mean, he tra transformed through different styles of progression for his character each time. So I really have to commend him over the over the last forty years, basically, of him doing wrestling. That's just fantastic. That's dedication. The Army of Darkness. Right yep. American Badass. Uh, probably his most well-known moment is throwing McFoley off the cage. Yep, that's the one I remember the most. That's the one that stuck with me the most. But yeah, and Larry you know, said about the good old days with Kane and Undertaker. I remember uh, Kane's uh, appearance in when he first showed up. And honestly, I was expecting the Undertaker to wait to make an announcement. I think maybe he'll make an in-ring announcement at Survivor Series this year. I could see that because it's the anniversary. I think it, I can't remember. 30? Yeah, it'd be 30 years because he made his appearance, his first appearance in 1990, I believe it was. So, uh, in that's where I would have expected the official announcement to come from, not from a docu-series, but considering the fact that the pandemic, I can kind of see why they did it this way, if it's officially locked in that he's gone. So I believe it now that he's actually retiring, opposed to those other times. So that's why I'm trying to, you know, just say my goodbyes to him and, you know, and go from there. Because the guy did put in a lot of years, and we grew up with him. So it's been, he paid his dues. And Larry, you say 15 years that you'll be 47 when his contract's up. How do you think he feels? 15 years, the guy's 55, so he's going to be 70. <laughs> He'll be just as old as uh, 
Sylvester Stallone and uh, Expendables. If you think about it, he's gonna be Ric Flair age when his contract's up. Yep. So he, but he can't be doing it forever. <laughs> I think. I mean, there, there's moments in life where you say, uh, should have done that differently, and mistakes were made. I think he, unless depending on what he's going to do behind the scenes, because I can see him definitely being an ambassador for WWE, uh, I could definitely see him in the back of his head saying mistakes were made, and I shouldn't have done that when he signed that contract. <laughs> and I'm sure the money ain't bad. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, I don't like the idea of looking at it and being like, hey, I'll be 70 when this contract's up. It's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah, so with that... Uh, being said, that's the end of sports news. Okay. Uh, how are you doing for time there? Are you, are you well, good? For me, uh, to be honest with you, I got to be up early tomorrow with things, especially with work. So right. I'm going to go on ahead and I'm going to let you finish out. But um, next week, well, when we do the recording for the one-on-one, I'll definitely have more time and everything too. So, yeah, you know, this has been a good episode. I do appreciate you letting me be on and everything with you as always and everything for this. So, <clears throat> further ado, if anybody wants to reach out to me or want to follow me, you can check me out at Movie Lovers Unite, TV Lovers Unite on all social media. And also, of course, you can check me out at Movie Lovers Unite on all, uh, on all pa- uh, podcast platforms as well. So, and until next time. Bye-bye. All right, and I got See your you. information up here on the banner, too, so that like, way people can give you a look and get familiar with your uh, content as well. Also, don't forget to check him out on Audio Podcast, okay. too, because he does some really badass interviews. So, Thank you, man. I do appreciate that. <laughs> I listen All to right. him at night when I'm at work. So <laughs> it, it helps me pass the time as I'm doing all the sanitation. <laughs> I appreciate so, the support, man. My, my, my fingers are showing the war scars from sanitation because of the damn chemicals. So, just me now and you as the audience. There isn't much more left to uh, talk about. We have some gaming news that I wanted to touch on. Uh, I was going to get John's opinion on the Squadron's reveal trailer. Uh it just basic uh, overhaul for me is it looks great. I love playing these types of games, and I'm looking forward to it. And I probably will not get it until the new consoles come out and I have them. So uh, anybody in the comments here, let me know what you guys think of the Squadrons trailer because I – Really don't have anything to say. I want to see gameplay. This is all cinematic. I want to see gameplay before I really get an opinion uh, here on this. So, uh, 
just as a cinematic as a whole, I'm looking forward to it. Otherwise, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I'm just going to kind of blow through these here real quick because I'm not very good at doing uh, solo content. I, I haven't honed that part of podcasting yet. But uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed until November, which probably puts it out after the consoles come out because there's rumor that consoles are going to come out late October instead of late November. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. I also heard rumor too that if you had a pre-order for PS4, you'll get a free upgrade to PS5. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard in passing. Uh, anybody that likes anime uh, and has a Nintendo Switch, there is a port of Jump Force coming in Japan and Asia on August 27th, and then United States and Europe on August 28th. So anybody that loves uh, Shonen Jump and hasn't been able to play this game yet because it hasn't been on the Switch console, it's coming uh, in a couple of months. And speaking of anime, One Piece and Digimon Adventure uh, 2020 are set to resume new episodes this upcoming week on June 28th. Uh, with that, that's pretty much everything in a nutshell for today's episode. Um, I mean, as I said before, I'm not good at solo content yet, so I apologize for the last five minutes or so of this video being rushed, but it is what it is. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel and also follow me at hotel underscore nerd 86. Uh, you can also talk to me directly right there on that uh, Twitter handle as well. So don't uh, be shy to send me a direct message. I'll definitely reply to you when I have the time to do so. I try to get back to any and all uh, re res uh, <laughs> I can't talk right conversations that are being had that address me directly. Uh, unfortunately, I'm only one person and I can only respond to so many, but if you send me a direct message, I will definitely get back to you. Uh, but with that being said, I hope you all enjoyed tonight's episode. I hope you all had a good Father's Day. And, uh, well, as good as you can right now with the pandemic. And remember, next week, there is no live episode. It'll be a pre-recorded episode. It goes up Saturday night. Uh, so no live chats or anything of that sort like usual. So in a couple of weeks, hopefully I'll be able to do another live video with John. And maybe we'll have somebody lined up uh, by that point in time. Until then, have a good night, uh, enjoy, and we'll see you next time.